the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. By the way, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there for the daily email. The daily email is called The Wink, What You Need to Know, and you should sign up there. It'll go in your inbox at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific, Monday through Friday, ProAmericaReport.com. It'll kick through to my main webpage with the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. I look forward to it. Uh, thank you for that. Follow me on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, on Facebook at Martin Live, and um, on Gab and uh, other uh, sites, social media sites. I'm Ed Martin. So uh, I have some news. It's great news. A couple minutes, we'll talk with John Cribb, my friend John Cribb again. He's got, uh, we'll talk to him again. He's got a book on Lincoln and it's coming up uh, for President's Day. So I thought we'd visit with him. We'll also get an update. I, I, I've, I've been asking for a few days about the uh, reality of um, the border, but also why can't we get the media to cover it? And what does it mean when our media won't cover a major story? Well, Michael Chapman, who's over at CNS News, uh, will visit with us on that, and he will give us an update on that. He's the managing editor editor over there uh, and a very experienced guy, so we'll talk with him. All right, but what you need to know today is yesterday I previewed that the Fulton County uh, grand jury would have uh, their report today. So earlier uh, today, there was a report of the grand jury of the F- Superior Court of Fulton County. Uh, it's a special purpose grand jury, which means it was convened in for, particularly for the purposes of looking at the uh, election stuff, the 2022, 2020 election. So nine page redacted grand jury report was offered to the public today. I don't know why the rest of it's not, but this is all we've seen so far. Basically, um, there are two aspects to it. One, the, the grand jury says, Oh, no, 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 no. We looked at everything. There's no evidence of fraud. No evidence of fraud. No, no evidence of fraud. Um, and then the second thing is we think some people that talked to us lied and the, the, the uh, they should be pursued for perjury. And then uh, the third part of it is please release this part of the report. So the headline should be Trump vindicated Trump, you know, no recommendations of any kind after months and months and probably more than a year, I think, of stories about how there was a Georgia grand jury because Trump was uh, improper this or improper that totally cleared of any wrongdoing. Now, I have to say, I also, when I read that they decided that there's no evidence of fraud, I don't know where they were looking, but it's okay. I mean, what I would have expected if you're looking at Fulton County is you come out and say, there's lots of fraud, little tiny things, but it's no big deal. That would be the absolute best case if you wanted to believe that everything was copacetic. You know, the worst case would be there's lots and lots of fraud, big fraud, it, it affected the election. The idea that there's no fraud, that doesn't pass the smell test, honestly. It just doesn't pass the smell test. That's not something that a serious person who knows how complex election systems are could say with a straight face. You just couldn't do that. 
That's that, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, the quote is uh, the grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subject of alleged election fraud. And we find by unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place. OK, maybe that's how they're hedging it. No widespread fraud, but fraud. But the bigger news is that Donald Trump is cleared. Any of the people that said there was long wrongdoing, a grand jury looked at it. There's no wrongdoing. So, in fact, our fears in the last couple of days, you know, John Schlafly had a piece that he wrote on this uh, and I was talking about it, seem to be, in this case, we seem to be, you know, a, a more comfortable that there weren't, the fears weren't, um, weren't realized, except the year and a half or so or a year plus of the negative press that implies it. Most people, you know, it's the old uh, Ray Donovan, the labor secretary under Ronald Reagan. He was acquitted of corruption in a federal court. And when they got to the steps of the courthouse, someone said, how does it feel to be acquitted? And he said, what room, what office do I go to? What's the office number of the place I go to to get my reputation back? That's the famous um, iteration of that. You know, where do I go to rehab after all this? Matt Gates went through this for a couple of years. They've said he was going to be charged with sex crimes, underage sex crimes, sex trafficking. And then they finally cleared him of it. said they're not going to charge him in the last few days that came out. But, you know, he's got how many millions of dollars of negative impression put on him. And here's where the story gets worse. I received a phone call today from a friend of mine who shall remain nameless, informing me that this said friend has been contacted by the FBI and is being brought in to the grand jury in D.C., in Washington, D.C., that is looking at, wait for it, the 2020 election. We're in 2023. We're, we're two and a half years removed from this. And they're bringing in people. And this person, who I, I know is lawyered up, has to lawyer up, is going to have to go in and answer questions about what? About, about the 2020 election. And specifically, I think it's about the post-election efforts. And it's the witch hunt continues. The witch hunt continues. The, the, the use of our system, our legal system, against we the people, it'll cost this person I know, I don't know, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 to get the right lawyers. And, you know, when a grand jury, when you go in a grand jury, you don't have the grand jury. You, if you did something wrong, you can decide to not answer based on your constitutional protections, the so-called fifth, you know, plead the fifth. But they can waive that. They can say, well, you're not the target. Therefore, you can talk and we're, we'll give you immunity or we'll make sure you're not the target. Therefore, and you don't have an excuse then. You, then you can't. You know, if you have criminal liability, you can you can plead the fifth. If the if you do not have criminal liability, you cannot plead the fifth. And so you can't say I'm not going to answer. Anyway, my uh, the back to my point that the 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 the, uh, the the reality the reality is that the continued torture, the continued degradation. Well, the torture of the people, degradation of our system of law and order goes on. Even as after months and months and months, and probably, I don't know, would it be millions? I'd say hundreds of thousands of dollars in Fulton County spent on a witch hunt. Now we're going to spend year, you know, months and months, years, probably years, with a special counsel and a grand jury and more I issues. Well, the special counsel will be about documents. But the grand jury on this subject, so... I guess my point is, um, and, and Donald Trump, President Trump, former President Trump, 
put out a, a, a truth social and he referred to the fact that the the attorney general of New York, Letitia James, who's been targeting him and his family, is targeting the NRA. And I've spoken about this before, that the NRA, which was incorporated, I don't know, 80 years ago in New York City, because that's where the, the city where the leaders at the time incorporated it. And now it's based in uh, Virginia, has been based in Virginia for a long time. And uh, but that because it was incorporated in New York City, that gave the attorney general in New York City, if she wanted to, a, a way to be pushy. And she's able to get in there and try to make make things uh, difficult. And it's working, working well. It's working well, actually, if you're if you're if you hate the NRA and you just want to destroy political entities, then you, you watch and say, oh, wow, that that attorney general up in New York, she's doing a heck of a job. And that's exactly what that's exactly what Donald Trump was referring to. That's the reality of it. The NRA has been around since, I don't know, 1900. I guess. No, uh, uh, 1871, 1871. So. We're still in a pl- in a place in this country where uh, the left has used and, you know, let me pause and say this. Maybe what you need to know is this. It's not new. Starting in the 1970s, before that, of course, but it started. you started to see that when the people will not deliver at the, in, the election, in the democratic system of electing people, the left went to the courts. Roe v. Wade. Over time, they marched through the courts all the way down through Obergefell. And at a certain point, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you may remember the Soros uh, Foundation had a project on, on secretaries of state where they wanted to target elections. And then they moved on to uh, prosecutors. And they're using the systems against us because they can't convince the people. So you can't convince the people to vote for it. So you use the system. You can't convince the people to ban the NRA. It's popular. You can't convince the people to stop Donald Trump from running. So you use the system. It's corrupt. It's un-American. And it's becoming a, a bigger and bigger problem. So, okay, what you need to know today is, hey, good, Fulton County came up short, but they got what they wanted, just like the the unselect committee, as President Trump calls it, went about spending a year and a half and millions and millions of dollars. They didn't get anything done, but they, they spent a lot of time brainwashing the public. That's the power of it. All right, let's take a break. That's what you need to know. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I was mentioning uh, during the open there that I was interested to speak with our next guest. Uh, Michael W. Chapman is the managing editor, excuse me, managing editor over at CNS News, cnsnews.com and uh, a prolific writer and uh, and contributed to books and all kinds of different things. We we're just talking off the air about our kids. He's got five children. Um, so a uh, busy guy, a busy guy. And uh, Michael Chapman, welcome to the program. My question that I was telling my listeners I want to ask you is, you know, uh, I, we're all watching the, um, the border. We're watching the border and it's an absolute disaster like a disaster like we haven't had i mean i guess you know uh, look the the derailment in, in ohio is horrendous and and you can see maybe the images of it somehow are more uh, striking but but we have a horrendous problem on the border and yet we have no coverage of it and what i my frustration is 
How can it be that we get so little coverage of of something that's such a big deal? I know that the media doesn't want to cover it, but at a certain point, if it's big enough, they do. And I, I it really surprises me. Yes. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on your show. I yeah. appreciate it. Yep. Um, well, like you said, to a certain, to a large degree, I think uh, the mainstream media are not covering this issue because they have the same mindset as uh, as Joe Biden and and left wing Democrats. And anything that might hurt the Biden administration or hurt the Democrats in general, they're not going to cover, or they're not going to cover it very adequately. Um, but you're also correct that eventually things get so bad um, that they have to cover it. <laughs> and that's uh, eventually the truth, um, despite how bad things are with the border and with so many other issues, the truth eventually uh, emerges. And um, uh, fortunately, also, we have uh, a lot of competition now, a lot of alternative media on the Internet um, that we didn't have in the past. So a lot of folks are turning, you know, a lot of folks are on Twitter, a lot of folks are on Facebook, they're on uh, Rumble, they're on a lot of other places, Gab, Telegram, I I can't even think of all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And new ones emerging all the time. So they are getting this information. Um, How tech savvy uh, are, you know, maybe some of the older Americans, myself included, uh, may not be getting it as much as, as the younger kids are. But that information is getting out there, and I think that is 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 also contributing to the decline of the what I call the traditional or the mainstream media. But on the border, yeah, when things get really really bad, um, the truth emerges. And um, you know, for example, uh, cases where you have illegal immigrants um, who commit crimes in the United States, and, and usually very heinous crimes, where Americans are murdered or raped, um, terrible crimes, and that those stories sometimes can become overwhelming and they bubble to the surface and, and can inform people about, you know, how bad the border is. And, and the mainstream media try to, you know, try to cover it uh, as marginally as possible, but it's not always possible. Um, and also with, with the drugs, with the fentanyl issue in particular, affecting so many American families and causing so many deaths that the truth of where those drugs are coming from, largely across uh, our southern border, but also in the, in the northern border as well and other places, the consequences of that drug and the mortality it's causing and all the other problems and uh, that truth is is sinking through. And I think a lot of Americans are very familiar with it and and they want something done. Um, so when, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, we're, I'm, we're talking with Michael W. Chapman. He's a managing editor over at CNS uh, news. If you go to cnsnews.com, you'll see all the, he mentioned, uh, a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of stories and all, um, Michael, uh, when in, we're having an exchange on this and, and one of the things that has popped to people, sir, uh, to their attention, you know, speaker Kevin McCarthy is going, taking a delegation down to the Southern border. Um, there's polling that shows 63% of American adults are dissatisfied with immigration. And um, so the point is there, my, my question there again is, 
it's it's a popular issue, right? I mean, maybe it's not as popular as Real Housewives of whatever place, but in terms of the, but it is popular, meaning people are interested. They have concerns about it. When I look at cnsnews.com, uh, I go there and I see all these different stories. I'm sure you can track who clicks on what. If you got like Governor Abbott right now, I'm looking at it has a, there's a piece by you about the, about uh, Abbott's border operation. Um, does that get a ton of, uh, of links? I mean, does it, I mean a, a ton of attention? I mean, I'm trying to figure out how the media will catch up to what the people want if the people aren't sort of showing that preference that that's that's good questions uh some of these stories that we do um get a lot of attention uh and get picked up might get picked up you know by the drudge report or on fox news channel will often uh, carry or cite our material um and then others which we often think yeah this is really going to do it uh, Robin don't get much attention at all. Um, I, I, there are a lot of factors involved. Some of it, uh, I think certainly has to do with the power of social media and how stories uh, are shared and what's picked up. And then also the ongoing censorship problem, uh, with those stories. Um, but I can, and I can also tell you in the past, our audience reach was much higher. Um, before the uh, uh, the 2020 election, uh, right around the summer of 2020, um, Facebook and uh, and Twitter, to a certain degree, we could see a lot of fall off. And I think you saw that in a lot of other uh, news organizations um, that are that are doing straight news and are editorially conservative. Uh, there was a lot of censorship and shadow banning that was going on. Uh, going into the election, and then you even saw Twitter, for example, they 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 blocked the New York Post story on the Hunter Biden uh, right, laptop story. Yeah. So that was going on, and that hit us too. But it's um, I I wish I had a, a formula yeah, yeah, yeah. that would work, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's often um, it's focused. We try to focus on the stories that the liberal media are not interested in or don't want to cover, and. Uh, we often hit the target with that, and uh, they do well. And then other times, for other factors, they, you know, I don't know where they go. Right. <laughs> but right, we right. keep doing our job every day. Um, yeah. uh, and fortunately, there are so many alternatives now popping up with the technology that Americans have the means uh, to get to the truth and get to the facts about issues, which I think the poll, um, the, the, which is a Gallup poll, uh, reflects that Americans are really concerned and dissatisfied with what's going on with uh, immigration. Uh, well, again, we're, we're talking uh, with uh, Michael Chapman, the managing editor of CNS News, cnsnews.com. Um, is the uh, uh, ma- same similar line of question? Because again, it's it's a matter of getting attention to these issues. I thought you said it well. And by the way, the tagline for CNS News, the right news right now, uh, it's a good tagline. But um, does does Trump does Trump driving attention to issues help when Donald Trump talked about uh, bombing the cartels because he's sick of the fentanyl um, a few months, maybe six weeks ago or whatever it was, seemed to get a burst of attention. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I guess when, when I look at um, you hear that CNN had great ratings when Trump was in office because they they could beat on him all day long. And since he's gone away, they've gone down even further. But is that is that part of this? I mean, it, because it, part of I think Biden's. Uh, um, plan is 
to carry on doing all this stuff. You know, people don't even realize he said he's done more federal judges than Donald Trump did by at this time in his presidency. They're not announcing it. They're just going about doing it. And um, does how does the Trump factor fit in here? Um, I I think you're spot on with that. Um, Trump saying what he said um, about the cartels, I think, is something that a lot of conservatives and a lot of regular Americans uh, were thinking the same thing. They may not have said it out loud, uh, but they said it. And he said it. And as president or even as as former president, if he says something like that, um, it can stir up uh, a lot of news and get a lot of attention. I think if, you know, Senator Mike Lee or Rand Paul or Ted Cruz or uh, Marsha Blackburn, if they said the same thing, um, it would also drive news because it's it's a straightforward, you know, from the gut. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, couch my words and be very uh, politic about it. Um, he gets straight to straight to the point. And Trump did that often, which is why he made news, because uh, he, he didn't really pull punches. And I, but I also think that there are other people, other people in politics, but also in the culture who, when they don't pull punches and when they get right to the point, people really appreciate that. They're, mm-hmm. they're tired of the, the euphemisms and the politicking that goes on. Um, and that can, that can, uh, draw attention, uh, can bring in more readership. Yeah, it can certainly drive a news story. Um, Trying to think of a, a recent example. Um, well, there, there's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I think I mean one 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 other way to you describe some of those Freedom Twenty they call them, like you know the Matt Gateses of the world who somehow were able to stand up and and say stuff that people were agreeing with. And you know, I think the I think the trick there was they didn't end up sort of totally on an island. Although <laughs> we'll see how it works uh, long long term, but. Um, I, I better go. Uh, I'm going to run out of time. So let me let me just say we'll have you back on again. Uh, uh, Michael uh, Chapman is, again, the managing editor over at the uh, at the CNS uh, news dot com. Lots of stuff there. I was just looking at the commentary page while we were talking. There's uh, there's some great commentators there. Uh, Michael W. Chapman, thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. We'll, uh, I will put up uh, a post to uh, CNS uh, News as well as to uh, Michael Chapman, and, and uh, there's a piece on exactly this topic we started talking about uh, there. So I will take care of all that, and we will take a break, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It wouldn't be President's Day if I didn't get my favorite uh, presidential uh, fi- uh, historical fiction writer, John Cribb, uh, to interview him. His two books are from Republic Book Publishers. The first one came out a few years ago a few years ago, called Old Abe. The second one is uh, more recently The Rail Splitter. Old Abe covers the period of time right when... Um, uh, Lincoln is Abe Lincoln is running for president on through his presidency. The rail splitter goes back in time and comes up uh, through the boyhood and and uh, young adulthood of Abe Lincoln. So welcome back, John. I, I imagine President's Day weekend and this period of time gets you a bunch of attention, which is you know part of the reason you're writing on this subject. But it also is probably pretty fun. It is. It's a good time to talk about uh, Lincoln, any of the presidents, I guess, but especially uh, Lincoln. 
Yeah. All right, John. So I had, I've been thinking about this interview because I know you and I've talked a lot of times and we email and things and I really enjoy the friendship. But so here's my question. When you, when I read these books, one of the best parts about John Cribb's books is you get a sense of Lincoln and it is historical fiction, but I know how much you've read and researched. See, you kind of fill out Lincoln. He seems like a person, seems like a man, not just, you know, a, a historic, a president in time. But, but then, and also I think he seems pretty, not normal. He's clearly extraordinary, but he's not, he's not, um, like an alien. He's a, he's a man. He's an American man. He's got a, he's, you know, he wasn't particularly formally educated, but he was driven to read and teach himself and all that. So was, 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 um, Lincoln an extraordinary man or was he a great American, American, an original, a serious person, a man at the right time. Do you know what I mean? The difference, you know, was, was he, could he have been Lincoln in another time or did the time hit a good guy and he stepped up into it? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And I hate to waffle, but I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I think Lincoln really was truly a great man. He, um, you know, he was, as you say, in some ways, a regular guy and he messed up sometimes and he, uh, has his, you know, his things that probably bugs people and, um, wasn't perfect, but by and large, he really was a great man. You know, he was a creature of the Bible and Shakespeare, as you know. Right. And there's a line from, uh, um, uh, Julius Caesar that I ran across the other day. I'm going to try to quote, it. I might not get it quite right, but it was, uh, Mark Antony's, uh, uh, describing Brutus. And he said, um, he said his life was gentle and the elements so mixed in him that nature might stand up and say to all the world, this was a man. Hmm. And that that's pretty much, I think, describes Lincoln. You know, this was a man. This was a great man. Now, you know, uh, he what's that other line from uh, from uh, Shakespeare? Some men are uh, born to greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them. Right. So something like that. I mean, Lincoln. You know, he does have greatness thrust upon him by the Civil War. He uh, I mean, and and let's be honest, if he were not assassinated by uh, John Wilkes Booth, we may not think of him in the same way. We just don't know. But um, so he you know, he was he was in some ways he was like Washington, you know, the indispensable man, the the right man for the time that Lincoln was like Washington in that respect, I think. We're talking again with John Cribb, the author uh, of the of two books, um, The Rail Splitter is the more recent one, and uh, Old Abe, both uh, novels of Abraham Lincoln, both available Republic Book Publishers. Um, the the one thing about the um, the Lincoln, he didn't he 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 must have been very talented. He seems very seems very talented in relationships, meaning he could assess. Uh, people, you know, he could, he could, uh, make judgments of who to trust and all, but it, it wasn't simple for him, right? I mean, he was, his relationship with his wife was complicated early in his life. When you read the rail splitter, you know, he, he was, um, ambitious and, 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 I don't know, pushy is the wrong word or something, but he, it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't an easy natural or it wasn't a natural ease with people somehow. It was sort of, uh, learned, I guess, but also, um, it was work. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's because he did have that famous, you know, two sides of his personality. There was the laughing, jovial, joking, storytelling Lincoln, 
that I think did really enjoy being around people when he was in that mood. And, you know, they said that there was, if you walked into a room and there was a knot of fellows, you know, gathered around laughing and slapping their thigh in their knees and, you know, joking. If you look in the middle, there's Lincoln was probably right in the center of it. And people said he, he was so funny. He could make a cat laugh. Right. Um, so, but he also had that very melancholy side where he could turn on a dime and want to slip off and be by himself. And that side of it, I think that side of Lincoln did set up something of a reserve. I mean, there were people who knew Lincoln that said that even though, you know, he had a great sense of humor, he could tell jokes, he could tell stories, he had lots of uh, friends, um, that there was a certain uh, coldness is probably not the right word, but there was a certain separation. You know, he really probably only had one really, really good friend his whole life. That was uh, his friend, Josh Speed. In Springfield. So, yeah, I think in in a sense, it was work for Lincoln in some ways uh, to be uh, the social, the, you know, social. But he had great social skills, great people skills, and he put them to good use during presidency. Uh, we're talking with uh, John uh, Cribb um, and uh, the, especially about the rail splitter, the second of his books, which is just out uh, in the last uh, few months and available again, Republic Book Publishers. Um Along the same lines, I, recently I've been reading uh, about the sort of modern phenomenon that it, that has gotten um, even more um, common. Uh, the phrase I think in psycho babble land is uh, counterfactual thinking. The phrase that I use is what if isms, and you, 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 it seems like somehow people are more aware of uh, or think they're aware of what could have been than maybe they were in history. Except when I read um, uh, uh, Rail Splitter. There's a number of times where it looks like uh, Abe Lincoln's career is kind of, kind of, I mean, still would have been, he's, he still was considered a great lawyer, a great lawyer. I mean, one of the really uh, adept lawyers could have gone down as one of these guys where they talk for a uh, hundred years about so-and-so's, you know, grandfather was a great lawyer. But as to politics, his, his, and success in winning arguments in the moment, he, he kind of dead ended a couple of times and, and, you know, it was, I mean, again, if you look back and you say, wow, it was providential, but in the middle of it, I'm not sure he felt it was providential. Yeah, no, that's right. At one, at one point he told, um, uh, or actually he wrote, and I, I have this in, in the rail splitter, um, that he's, he wrote the, the race for me has been a flat failure, mm. uh, meaning the, the race for ambition for, for political office. Um, and he did feel, uh, more than once, for example, after he finished his one term in Congress, and it was not a particularly glorious uh, term. Right. And he he pretty much thought he was washed up as far as holding public office went when he got back to Springfield. He really kind of thought that that was it for me. And of course, he lost those two uh, Senate races. Right. Um, so but, you know, that's part of the appeal of Lincoln, I think, is just his pure perseverance. I, I always say. I'm speaking at a great uh, um, or uh, last week I was speaking at a really great uh, school in Sarasota, Florida, the Classical Academy. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the kids asked me, what um, what virtue do you admire most in Lincoln? And I I said is perseverance. The guy is just a model of perseverance. He just keeps going and keeps going, even, you know, when he hits a roadblock, he just keeps going. 
Did, uh, John Cribb, uh, again, uh, we're talking about uh, Abe Lincoln and, and uh, the two books. They're really, really f- wonderful uh, books, uh, John. You know, I love them. But Rail, Rail Splitter is the first in time, a novel of Abe Lincoln about his early life and then up until the time when he runs for president and then old Abe, uh, which goes on till his death. Um, is um, And so John uh, Cribb, is um, is Lincoln's um, – does, does his uh, – does it get harder for him when he gets more, when he gets to be president? When I look at his life, in, in some ways, did he ever say this? Was, was he happier in a, in a sort of sense before he was president? Yeah, I think I think those four years were just awful. I think, um, I think that he had no idea what he was getting into, both he and Mary. They stepped into a river of fire and blood that just kept coming and coming and coming and, and would not stop. It would not let up. And it was four pretty awful years. He, you know, he sought relief. He would, uh, that's one reason he went to the theater uh, Mm -hmm. was for relief. Uh, And, you know, he would, he would, he cultivated humor when he could. He used to sometimes start uh, cabinet meetings reading from humorists like Petroleum Nasby. And (laughs) one, um, one cabinet meeting, one of his, uh, one of the members kind of chastised him. I can't remember which one it was for reading jokes uh, out, you know, during a cabinet meeting and Lincoln said to him, he said, um, if I did not laugh, I would die. And he said, mm. you gentlemen need this medicine, uh, as much as I do. Uh, mm. you should be, you should be laughing too. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just think it was not, those four years were just so rough. And the, uh, when F- Lee finally surrendered, um, you know, that, that, that last carriage ride he has with, with Mary, that I um, tell about in old Abe and the account of that comes from her, but they, they talked about how tough those four years had been with all the death and loss, including their son, Willie in the white house. And he said, I'm paraphrasing it, but he said, you know, it's time to be happy again. We, we can now, we can think about putting the country back back together and and being happy. And they talked about what their years after his second term would would look like. And so, you know, that, that was a tough, tough four years i think he was probably happier before the white house years and looking forward to being happier after the white house years uh john cribb again is the author of the rail splitter and old abe two novels on abe lincoln um before i ask you if you're going to write more on abe lincoln i don't know where where you'd write or how you do it is there another president that you would like to do this kind of treatment to i i know the way you write these novels you've talked about it before you you're immersed in primary sources, but you also have to sort of imagine the period and all. Is there another president that you would be either drawn to or think about that would be fun to, 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 do, to do this kind of treatment? Yeah, I guess. You know, I haven't really thought about it hardly hard enough to give an, uh, a serious answer to that. Mm-hmm. But I would I would love to do it again. But um, I mean, you know how many years I put into yeah. researching these two books. I'm, I don't know if I have enough time left. I, I'm I'm joking. I'm sure I do. I hope I do. Uh-huh. But and then there are other figures too. I would love to do the same thing for. I mean, I've always said um, I'd love to do uh, something like this. Well, you know, I think Thomas Edison would be fascinating. Or I've always said uh, Saint Paul would be 
would be. Oh yeah, yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, you have. Um, uh, I'm going to run out of time, but on the oh, on the Abe Lincoln, all this research around Lincoln, is there another character that pops up in his cabinet in his life that would be uh, of of uh, 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 there would be enough material um, for you to go look at? You know, because if it's his best friend, there's probably not enough written on on him or her. But maybe a, a cabinet member or somebody jumps out and says that that guy's got a a, a lot of uh, uh, of life that hasn't been explained. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I mean, and I think probably the most interesting of them might might have been uh, Stanton, uh, mm-hmm. just a really fascinating uh, character, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not not particularly attractive in some ways, but a uh, really fascinating character. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, John Cribb, congratulations, as always. We I, we, we enjoy uh, very much uh, talking to you and we appreciate the uh, books and uh, and your efforts and being out there. You mentioned you were out in uh, at schools uh, last week. There's a lot of people that have really benefited from this way of, of thinking about Lincoln. So congratulations on it and thanks for the time and happy President's Day. Same to you. Thank you, Ed. All right. Uh, thanks, John Cribb, everybody. And again, Republic Book Publishers. If you go uh, to their website, you'll see a bunch of great books. They've been publishing a lot of great books. And these two, Old Abe, the one that goes from the the, the um, campaign for presidency for, on through the presidency, and then the newer one uh, in, in terms of being published, The Rail Splitter, which is available uh, anywhere you get books. And that's from his childhood on up to uh, that period. Great. Two great uh, novels. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. One of the left's favorite tactics is to tell the masses to outsource their thinking to so-called experts, rather than using their own faculties for reason. One classic example of this came during the confirmation hearing for Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson who said that she could not define what a woman is because she's not a biologist. This appeal to experts technique is very effective for leftists who know they control the academic spheres where these elites so often reside. However, when the science doesn't match up with the left's talking points, their trust the experts mentality completely goes out the window. Such is the case at the CDC's gun violence fast facts webpage which once stated that defensive uses of firearms happen up to 2.5 million times per year in the United States. This was based on, quote, a review of various studies, end quote. But these studies were sponsored by the CDC itself. The gun control lobby was not happy with the 2.5 million number, so they pressured the CDC to remove their own statistics. Aren't leftists supposed to trust the experts? Yet the CDC agreed to the request and quietly removed the number of defensive gun uses from the Fast Facts page. Thus, statistical evidence was buried so a leftist narrative could dominate. When pressed for an explanation on why they had so easily capitulated to activist pressure, the CDC weakly explained that they removed the numbers because different studies yield different results and because of the desire to keep the fact sheet short and succinct. These lame excuses do nothing to hide the partisan nature of this move. And while I acknowledge the value of brevity, it's impossible to have an honest conversation about gun violence without talking about defensive gun uses. That's like talking about curbing knife violence without talking about how we need knives to prepare our food. The next time someone belittles you for not siding with what the experts have to say, remind them that experts can be lobbied just as easily as politicians. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's time to hear the truth, not the media lies, about gun rights. At phyllisschlafly.com, we've got strategies to protect American citizens, protect ourselves, and protect the Second Amendment. For the latest on the constitutionally protected right to bear arms, go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Just a couple of minutes left. Um, let me tell you something. Uh, it, um, <laughs> when you see the attention that some candidates are getting and their families, you realize that maybe, just maybe, there are people hoping that um, that the uh, nominations aren't sewn up. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has uh, come under, oh, how, to, how to say, sort of uh, scathing uh, uh, criticism for how he's managed the budget. And now there's a report out on how his wife um, was able to steer lots of uh, California tax dollars to her nonprofits. Now, she, Gavin Newsom's first wife, is Kimberly Guilfoyle, who's now engaged to Don Jr., Donald Trump Jr., which is uh, un- one story in of itself. But his current wife, whose name last name is, I think, Seidel, Seidel maybe, um, is a former actress who testified in the Harvey Weinstein tri- uh, trials because he harassed her, I guess. But she's a very attractive uh, uh, lady and, and has a lot of style, and they put her out there. And Gavin Newsom is, you know, a young, dashing guy in his probably 50s. They've got three or four kids. And um, so uh, they are suddenly finding themselves under intense scrutiny. And you have to think that it's a combination of, um, uh, of someone like uh, – uh, Kamala Harris's team or others that are thinking just in case uh, there is a different uh, candidate uh, than President Biden, uh, we want to be ready. And so there you have it. We'll see if that keeps going uh, and, and, and builds. I think he is probably the strongest candidate who's not named Biden in terms of getting the nomination. So we'll see. All right. That's it for today. Thank you. As always, we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our producer, as well as uh, Ryan Height uh, for helping us out of St. Louis. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.